0: Disappearance of Johnny Gosh. Um, it is a cold case about a paperboy who mysteriously disappeared in 1982. His disappearance became a national case and was the first instance of a missing child being put on a milk carton. I'm Olivia Blake. My name is Allie Jackson. And my name is Beth Farmer. So, Johnny David Gosh was born November 12, 1969, in West uh, Des Moines, Iowa. His mother always described him as like a fun, upbeat, silly, kind of kind boy. He loved football, spending time with his family, and he actually delivered papers for the Des Moines Sunday Register. And he loved delivering papers, mainly, his mom says, because he was saving up to buy a dirt bike for himself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't actually know that part.
0: (laughs) I mean, you know, again, he was a fairly normal kid, which is Mm -hmm. very much why his disappearance kind of shocked the community but also it became a nationwide case right and especially leading up to his disappearance there was a lot of weird things that kind of happened so on september 3rd of 1982 this was two days before he disappeared johnny and his family went to his older brother's high school football game and like while at the game johnny asked his parents noreen and john gosh if he could go get some popcorn like all kids do Mm -hmm. of course and like naturally his parents gave him a few bucks to like set him down to go grab some But they noticed after a few minutes that Johnny hadn't come back. So John went down to go, like, look for him. And John found Johnny standing by the concession stand talking to a police officer. And he kind of, like, coaxed Johnny to come back to the bleachers. But Johnny, being, like, a young kid, didn't want to, like, sit with his family, didn't want to stick with them. Embarrassing. Right. (laughs) So his parents told him that, you know, he could stand by a fence kind of, like, at the bottom of the bleachers. But as long as they could keep an eye on him, like, he was good to go stand down there. Right. And they were watching the game for a while, and Noreen noticed after a minute that Johnny had disappeared again. So they both went to go look for him, and they found him under the bleachers, speaking with a different police officer. Under the bleachers? Under the bleachers, where they were sitting. Interesting. They, you know, drug him back up to the bleachers again, and like everything was fine for the rest of the game. But on the way out of the game, Johnny and his family walked past the second police officer. And Johnny told his parents that, you know, the police officer was really nice. And, you know, maybe he wanted to be a police officer when he got older. Mm -hmm. But, like, even to this day, it's unknown, like, what either police officer was talking to Johnny about. And Noreen noted, like, that this was weird behavior for Johnny, but also for police officers to just kind of, like, pull a kid aside and start talking to them.
1: Yeah, especially during, like, I think a sports game, I feel it could be more normal to just like talk to him like while he's watching the game and casually but had, like, under a, the bleachers. But under the bleachers is very. Right. Yeah. Did so they the, not
2: ask him like during the investigation,
0: like the police officers? Not from what I had found. Interesting. Essentially, basically, it's nobody knows what happened between the police officers and Johnny. Like n- no idea.
1: Hmm. Especially and, considering there's two separate police officers, it's yeah. a little concerning. Right. <laughs> And, like, that
0: wasn't the only kind of, like, weird thing that happened. So the night before Johnny's disappearance, his older sister and her fiancé, they came to have dinner with the family. And it was, like, a really great night. Noreen refers to this as the last supper because it's kind (laughs) of the last time they all were together. And, you know, they all were, like, joking around, having a good time. Mm -hmm. And before going to bed, Johnny asked uh, his parents. He told them, he said, I think I'm old enough that I can go on the morning paper route by myself because... On the early morning routes, you know, Johnny's dad would go with him because it was typically still dark out. Right. And John was honestly okay with Johnny going alone because I guess I don't blame him, you know, getting woken yeah. up at 5.30 every morning <laughs> to go deliver papers. I don't blame him. Yeah. But Noreen kind of told Johnny that he was still too young because he was only 12 and most of the other paper boys were 16. So
1: I, I would be concerned for a 12-year-old. Right. Yeah. Like, maybe the the uh, environment we live in is a little bit different now. Yeah. Like, in the yeah. <laughs> now that it's after the stranger yeah. danger, like, whole thing when we were kids. But I, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like you at least have to be a teenager when you're allowed yeah. to be out by
0: yourself. Well, especially because this case kind of triggered, like, stranger danger and, like, being more right. aware yeah. of where your kids are, so.
1: Because cause as soon as, like, all the, um, the, the missing kids stuff became, like, public national mm-hmm. news, I think that's when everybody started getting, like, really paranoid, paranoid about yeah. stuff right like they always say like most of um kidnapping cases for example are always done by like family members mm-hmm. but I think because of cases like this people are always obsessed with the idea that it's always strangers and people we don't know and people are dangerous you yeah. know yeah 90% of the time it's always Somebody someone you know. know
0: well especially because in this case you know it's it's a cold case it's never been solved yeah. again it's been yeah. 40 years and nobody still has any idea especially just because again it was really weird And, you know, before going, Johnny kind of, like, listened to his mom, and he was like, okay, whatever, that's fine. But before going to bed, he hugged his mom, and he told her, Mom, I'll always love you. You are the best. That's what Noreen says. It feels very, like, closure. Yeah. Which, in hindsight, it feels weird knowing what happens, like, that being the final thing he told his mom.
1: Because there's there's two possibilities here. There's one... That the mother, in her grief, kind of changed the memory yeah. that she right. remembered, which is, happens to a lot of people. Oh, for sure. Or it happened, and that's concerning. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: It's it's weird either way. Yeah. Yeah. But so that morning, around like one in the morning, John received a phone call. He answered, and Noreen kind of overheard what he was saying, but he didn't hear. She didn't hear what's happening on the phone. Uh, John said, "Yes, uh huh, yes," and then hung up. And Noreen asked, "You know who had called?" And he claimed it was just a wrong number. But for the past couple weeks, they had been receiving early morning calls like that, like mm-hmm. over and over again. And it was very similar of him just being like, uh-huh, yep. So again, there was a lot of weird stuff going on. Yeah. But later that morning, it was around 7.45, uh, Noreen was woken up again by her phone ringing. And she had got multiple calls from the neighbors complaining that they hadn't received their morning papers yet. And like naturally, you know, she assumed her kid probably slept in. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. just didn't decide to get up that morning, you know. <laughs> So she went to go check in his room, and she opens his door, and she sees that his room is completely empty. So she goes down to their garage, because he always had this little red wagon that he would bring with him to carry the papers in. Mm-hmm. And the red wagon was also gone. And Noreen begins to panic, yeah. naturally. Her, kid, yeah. Is, yeah, her yeah. kid is gone. People aren't and receiving papers.
1: Something he's He's 12. <laughs> <laughs> he's 12.
0: He's I mean, he's a young kid. And John kind of... Not gaslights, Noreen, but, you know, he's like, I promise, like, it's probably gonna be fine. Dad things. Dad things. Especially with the
1: sun. Yeah. Right.
0: He's like, I'll go out and look for him. Like, you just start (laughs) making breakfast. So, Noreen, I know. Noreen, she starts to make breakfast, and John goes out. And he comes back after a bit in absolute panic, because he found Johnny's wagon and papers tipped over. Mm -hmm. But there was no sign of Johnny. So Noreen calls the police and begins to try and talk with other paper boys and neighbors about what they saw, and this is where we kind of try to like piece everything together. Right. So that morning around five thirty, Johnny's older brother went to go wake him up and get him ready to you know go deliver papers. But Johnny normally he would go wake up his dad, but this morning he didn't. So he got mm. all of stuff in his wagon. He got his miniature uh, Dash and Gretchen <laughs> to go out with him, which <laughs> out what of all dogs name. to like bring with you <laughs> is like a protective measure. I don't, I don't know if that would be the... Yeah, bottom of the list. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but he brought, brought Gretchen to go with him. And their neighbors claimed to have heard his squeaky red wagon going through the yard at around 545 because he cut through their neighbor's yard to get to the church on this corner mm-hmm. in order to pick up all his papers to deliver. And there was one of the older paper boys named Michael. He saw a man in a blue two-toned Ford Fairmont pull up next to Johnny while he was walking down the church. hmm And he asked Johnny for directions, but Johnny kind of ignored him. And they both noticed that he was kind of, he was slurring his words and was kind of like... Panicked. Panicked. They said it wasn't in like a drunk way, but it was Mm. more or less in like a... Anxiety. Mm. Anxiety, like overly caffeinated is how somebody described it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Acting weird. So he kept asking Johnny for directions and Johnny just kept ignoring him. So, Johnny reached the church, starts putting his bundles in with Michael, and the man pulls back up next to Johnny. He opens his passenger door and puts his feet out on the curb. And he keeps trying to talk with Johnny again. Johnny's kind of, like, trying to ignore him. Like, there's this weird guy talking to me. And Johnny kind of tells Mike that he's freaked out. And he's like, screw this. I'm going home. I I don't want to deal with this. So, Johnny was leaving. The man gets back into his car and shuts his door. He flicked his dome light three times and then drove off. Which... All the paperboys kind of noticed that they were like, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a paperboy's father named John Rossi. He came there to come pick up the papers for his son so he could deliver them. And he also saw the man in the blue car. And he and a few other paperboys noticed that when Johnny was walking away, walking back down the street to go home, a man came out between two houses and started following Johnny. They saw him, like, you know, two paperboys saw him being followed, but, like, once he were out of sight, they didn't really know what happened. You know, he Mm -hmm. went around a corner, they couldn't see him. Some of them said they heard his dog growling, others say they didn't see a man at all, so it's it's hard to figure yeah. out what actually happened.
1: Yeah. Especially considering, like, there are other paper boys, so they're also young kids for the most part. I mean, teenagers, but they're still kids. Yeah. So, um, and it, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, after hearing about the disappearance, like, afterwards, they start to think of you know, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. Reading into things. They start yeah. reading into things or, you know, like the, like what we were talking about with the mother, like they eventually if they, if they're asked like further down the line, maybe they're misremembering things or other things like that. Cause I feel like when you're younger, you're more likely to, I guess, like get really anxious about mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Especially when it's someone around your age group. And so you, so I, I think, you know, it, it could be, it, I don't know, it could be possible that obviously that stuff happened, but there is that inconsistency there with some people said they saw something and some people said they didn't. Yeah. Right, Which they could
2: so be lying. To they get could also attention. be lying. Yeah, yeah. that could be.
0: Th- and also just like you know, young kids if they hear that their friend's gone missing and they're like, "We think he's been kidnapped," they might start to think like, "Oh well, I saw somebody behind yeah. Johnny," even though it could have been a paperboy like going to deliver yeah. his route. Like we don't really know.
1: I mean, I to be fair, when I look at people, I barely pay attention to things like age. So if <laughs> right. I, like you know, like for all I know a person I see from the corner of my eye could be a 50 year old man or it could be like a 14 year old. who just happens to be really tall. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And I just
2: automatically assume people are going to kill me. So yeah,
1: same. (laughs) I think it's that stranger danger thing that's been
0: pushed into my head. This really has like triggered, I feel like a revolution, especially like kids our age because paranoia really. And there was a whole big thing, like a whole big paranoia case after this, which I'm sure we'll get into (laughs) later. Um, but yeah, they noticed that, you know, some say there was a man, some say they weren't. And there were one neighbor that was around the corner, kind of where the paper boys lost sight of Johnny. And he was getting out of bed and he heard a car door slam and saw a silver car speed away, blowing the stop sign. And that car is where Johnny's wagon was found.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So mm-hmm. after hearing all of this, Noreen actually, she called the police before going to talk with him, but the police took 45 minutes to get to his house and they were only 10 blocks away. Jesus. Yeah. Which makes you wonder, like, what took them so long? And then also Noreen noticed that, like, while the police were interviewing her and the other witnesses, she said that the police had, like, no paper, no notepad, nothing to take notes with, and the police just kind of had to assume that Johnny ran away and they didn't file a missing, missing persons form for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, continuing off that, like... I know, like at the time, um, a lot of law enforcement agencies like still observed a 24 to 72 hour mandatory like waiting period to file missing uh, persons reports. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I think like especially con- like considering the law along with alongside like a lot of other like runaway kids kind of thing around his age, they just completely didn't take it seriously at all. Like I yeah. mean, there was a part in here where it said like there was an interview um, with the parents where apparently one of the police officers. Quite literally just stared them right in the face and said, has your son ever run away before? And then proceeded to um, even, like, say, like, not in this exact way, but basically they hinted at the fact that they don't consider Johnny to be in danger until his parents can prove his life is in danger. (laughs) That's so insane for me to think about. Yeah, like, the fact that they said, you kind of have to have proof before we take this seriously. But, like, why would Johnny just leave?
2: Like, oh, yeah. in the middle of his paper route. Yeah, it doesn't like, make, it it doesn't make no any sense. sense. Especially because he was, like, asking his mom to, like, do it on his own and, like, do all this stuff. Yeah.
1: But, like, it would make no sense. Yeah, and so, like, obviously over time, with especially with the police basically fumbling the entire case, not taking it seriously at all, you know, taking 45 minutes to even get to the freaking house and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that, um, even a month after the initial disappearance there are absolutely no leads or suspects. Yeah. And so obviously the parents wanting to try to force some sort of action, um, you know, Noreen and John basically formally launched something called the Johnny um, Gosh Foundation to help fund private searches for Johnny and to share child safety information through their In Defense of Children program. Um, to basically kind of force change and get his case like back into the like I limelight a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, to hopefully like find more like leads. And so in June of 1984, uh, they and other parents of high-profile missing children helped establish the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Um, and that same year, the Goshes also authorized and lobbied for the Johnny Gosh Bill. In Iowa, which mandated immediate pub, uh, police response and involvement when a child has been reported missing, basically getting rid of that mandatory wait period. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and which was later adopted by eight additional states um, and was officially signed into Iowa law on July 1st, uh, 1984. So, luckily, it was a pretty quick yeah, action. Quick it wasn't something right. that was like, Gonna take like decades to do.
2: Just Um, why was the 24-hour thing ever in place anyway? It's like why wouldn't you think that that if somebody reports somebody missing, why wouldn't the cops immediately see to me? Like I I
1: get like maybe with certain adults because there's like. You're an adult. You could have just been out of town. You could be drunk somewhere. You could be something else, and people just don't know where you are, and then you show up the next day, right? Yeah. But when it's a minor. Yeah, it's a kid. That is a like, like even if they
2: thing. ran away, right. What did they want to find them immediately? Even like, if it was. They're on wallowing their own in the court
1: somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: that makes no sense for them to be like, oh, your twelve-year-old son is ran away wait 72 hours and and then let me know it's weird to
0: think that this happened like 40 years ago like that this was that recent of a change i feel like Mm -hmm. we probably our parents were born yeah both of my parents
1: were born by this point yeah yeah i know it's like and you know it's one of those things where um even though the law gets better, it doesn't always, uh, you know, immediately mean the p- you know police action always going to get better too. Right. Um, so that obviously leads to you know cases in, in the future kind of following the same route in a way, I guess. Yeah. Um, Which leads me to the second disappearance, that this time of Eugene Martin. So on the south side of uh, Des Moines, around 15 or so miles away from where Johnny's house was, um, another incident occurred. Eugene Martin, uh, a prepubescent boy with dark, shaggy, sideswept hair, nearly identical to Johnny's, Mm -hmm. um, set out on the corner of Southwest 14th Street and Highview Drive, where he picked up his bundles of newspapers for delivery. Around 5.15 a.m., Eugene arrived at the corner and collected his bundles from the delivery van driver and sat down to start folding them to fill his canvas bag. Around this time, several witnesses reported seeing Eugene talking to a clean-cut man in in what looked to be a friendly conversation as he rolled his papers with no ve- vehicle nearby, which I guess is one difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but already starting out here. very similar. Very similar. Both paper boys getting their papers seem yeah. talking to someone around somebody the same time. The morning, 15
0: miles away from each other. 15 miles away
1: each from each other, other, and they almost look identical.
0: That's yeah. nuts. And
2: same age. It's too,
1: yeah. too similar. And so then 45 minutes later, a woman uh, named, uh, basically called Eugene's route manager saying that she hadn't received her paper yet um, and could see the pile on the corner in front of her house. So it was, like, in her front yard. Um, and she basically asked if she could just grab one instead of being concerned. <laughs> which wow. Is, which is really funny to me. Yeah. Um, so basically it ended up resulting in one of the um, older paper boys, Michael, basically, oh, sorry, I was the wrong page. <laughs> oh, never mind. The cases
0: are too similar. If They're there was another paperboy named Michael, I was going to flip this table.
1: <laughs> <laughs> too yeah. similar. My laugh's getting too loud. <laughs> Anyways, what I was trying to say was that the basically the route manager went out to the corner of 14th uh, and Highview, where he found, obviously, the delivery bag sitting in front of that woman's yard um, with all the papers inside. And the manager did basically, instead of telling the parents first... Delivered the papers himself. What? He just finished the delivery route. What? And then went yeah, to the Martins' cool. house. And that's when he basically asked for the father and was like, hey, uh, your kid didn't finish delivering the papers. Oh, oh but thank God he delivered jarring. the papers. <laughs> thank God he got those delivered. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I will be pocketing oh. the money that he <laughs> earned. Um, but yeah, so obviously the father, Don, basically realized Eugene hadn't returned home and he immediately started searching the neighborhood. Um, and he actually, so he was actually searching out on his motorcycle with his brother, um, and they found no sign of Eugene and eventually called the police at 8.40 a.m. Uh, the Des Moines Police Department, learn, learning from their mistakes on the Gosh case, responded immediately this time, um, and basically started setting up vehicle checkpoints, you know, uh, canvassing the neighborhood and getting the FBI involved within hours. Hmm. So instead of, like, yeah, instead of waiting around for <laughs> yeah. 72 hours and doing all that yeah. stuff, they actually... Acted. This, this is time. what should have
0: been done. Yeah. Like yeah.
1: everything that's happened here, except for maybe the manager and the <laughs> woman who just took the paper, should have been Sometimes done. A in John
2: clock is right twice. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so. But so yeah. So officers at the time, to- officers at the time, um, actually stated they didn't want another botched inv- investigation um, similar to the uh, Gosh case, and so they actually took it a lot more seriously. And so, during the height of the Martin investigation, officers even traveled as far as Mexico and Canada to follow up on tips, and one officer stated that he estimated that he chased down somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000 leads, but none were credible. Wow. Jeez. Mexico and Canada? That's what he said. And they waited 45 minutes to find <laughs> Johnny's
2: family? That's the thing. I feel like they were really trying to, like, If I were cover Wolverine, their asses. Like... I would be pissed Right. I was his mother.
1: Yeah. And so, obviously, just like Johnny's case, Eugene's went cold um, with no, you know, actual like leads or anything like that, and um, at this point, authorities never, like, actually officially connected the two cases, so they were considered completely separate. Obviously, there's a lot of similarities, so Mm -hmm. there was a lot of theories and stuff like that, but it was never officially put on paper, Um, which then leads to, you know, the thing everybody knows, the missing kids on milk cartons. Which in basically in late, uh, in late August of 1984, uh, a local Hy-Vee grocery store chain started printing Eugene's picture on paper bags with mm. reward information. And in September, a Des Moines uh, milk company, Anderson Erickson Dairy, started printing a hotline number and pictures of both Johnny and Eugene on the backs of the milk cartons after an employee and friend of the Martin family suggested it. Um, but those were the first pictures on the milk cartons in history. So it didn't start as like some national initiative like it'll eventually become. It was just a family friend who worked at the company that basically campaigned to replace like the ads that they used to have on the cartons mm-hmm. and put the missing boys on there so they could try like getting more eyes on the two cases in the area.
0: Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I feel like that's very sweet of the family yeah. to do. Yeah. Because, like, they didn't have, have I mean, to include Johnny. Especially mm-hmm. if they're making money off ads on the milk cartons, but instead they're deciding to kind of push this forward to try and help get these boys be yeah. found. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that that's incredible, and I'm glad to hear, like, the community. Maybe not the community, but at least his family kind of stepped forward to help yeah. this. In- yeah. Compared to wanting to finish his paper route. <laughs> finish your route. <laughs> grab a paper while you're walking by. <laughs>
1: you know, one of the one in the story is the like manager of the <laughs> <laughs> he did not care um but yeah so eventually you know another milk company like in the area then followed suit and eventually as more people started to adopt this kind of idea of the missing kids on the uh, milk cartons it became a nationwide program um by January of 1985 so it was a pretty fast growing idea mm-hmm. um but that didn't help as uh Those two stayed cold, and a third boy went missing. Are you serious? Yes. Mm. So this, because he was never on the milk cartons, um, it's never really talked about when people talk about um, Johnny and um, Eugene, but there was a third boy named Mark Warren Allen. And so soon after both cases, um, you know, he went missing pretty much about, I think, a year and a half after. So they're almost like two years apart each time, because it was 82, 84, and then 86.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Hmm.
1: And so, yeah. Noted. (laughs) And so, basically, on a Saturday evening before Easter Sunday in 1986, uh, a 13-year-old, 13, anyways, Mm, similar age, uh, Mark Warren Allen left his south side uh, Des Moines home. As we know, that's where Eugene was. Yeah, and Johnny was in the west. And Johnny was on the west, 15 minutes away, um, home to walk to a friend's house around dusk. Uh, Mark also was a prepubescent boy with dark, shaggy, side-swept hair. Um, he said goodbye to his mother and set out on Emma Street, just two blocks away from the corner where Eugene had disappeared a year and a half ago. His mother watched his, uh, watched her son walk down the sidewalk, past the bushes and out of sight. The following morning, um, Nancy, his mom, realized Mark hadn't returned home because it was, and because it was Easter morning, she thought that maybe he'd just gone to his grandmother's house to collect his gift basket. Um, and so she checked with her mother and Mark hadn't been there at all. So she telephoned friends and neighbors um, but no one had seen him and he never arrived to his friend's house that night either. Oh my god. Jeez. And so she called the police to report his disappearance, but cl- but claims they told her they couldn't do anything for 48 hours. And despite <laughs> despite all the changes to procedures and laws after Gosh and Martin disappear after the Gosh and Martin disappearances, she sensed that they were cons- uh, they were concerned about causing an all-out public panic if the news spread of a third missing boy.
0: Naturally, mm, yeah. if three boys yeah. of
1: similar age
0: and similar similar situation, same area, have gone missing within this yeah. six years, see, I
2: would be more panicked knowing that the police weren't doing anything within yeah, those forty eight hours. Not that there was another boy missing, the fact that the police aren't doing anything is what would yeah. cause the panic.
1: Because it's, it's the panic is the fact that you're gonna have three almost identical yeah. cold cases. Like, maybe mm. if you reacted far enough, you're able to get a single lead. Maybe you can keep it separate. And maybe it's like, this is completely different than the other two cases, and we can actually find this kid. Mm-hmm. No. Identical code cold case, except this time, he's just not a paper boy. Right. Yeah. And I feel like even if you don't start immediately,
0: people are going to find yeah. out. Yeah. Especially since this is the, the third, third similar situation. Yeah. In, in the exact same town. area. In the same <laughs>
1: area. Word is going to get out regardless. Yeah. yeah. And so, basically, um, <laughs> what happened after, two is that... DMPD basically claimed that they followed up on every lead for weeks, and at some point, Mark's family became quote unquote uncooperative mm. with investigation efforts. Um, basically, either way, the case went cold. Whether or not the DMPD were right or the parents, I'm gonna side with the parents. Yeah. Um, and so at the time, you know, Mark's disappearance was never really reported on by the pre- by the press, um, and basically, not a single news story really aired on the news or in print for years. And so besides the people in the local community, like nobody knew about it. And he was never like posted on the milk cartons, So he never was like acknowledged as like a third disappearance with the uh, other two. That's so sad. Oh my god. And so, you know, I guess at the end of the day, like all three, the no no leads, no nothing, mm-hmm. all cold cases. And eventually too, with the milk carton program, that eventually was phased out um, when milk cartons were replaced with plastic jugs. And it was only marginally successful um, they really couldn't, because, of, like, the, the photo distribution was too slow. Yeah. And so by the time mm. they would actually get them printed, a lot of the kids who were actually runaways would just show up again, like, the next day. And so oh. they would go to school, look at the milk carton with their own face, oh, and go, so no. uh, <laughs> <the," laughs> I think their thing from what I remember, the, there was only ever one case that was ever actually, I guess, attributed to the milk carton program, because um, everything else was, like, more or less didn't really work or coincidental or something, but this one was actually the only one that was actually attributed to it. It was basically, it was, like, a divorce dispute mm-hmm. where the father, I believe, basically took the young girl, who was, like, maybe, like, five or so, mm-hmm. um, moved, like, states away and basically kidnapped her, mm-hmm. um, and apparently she, she went, she, he took her to the grocery store and she saw her own face on the milk <gasps> carton. Oh, no. And so what she ended up doing is she thought it was funny because she didn't know what it was. Yeah. And the dad was so cocky, he bought the milk carton oh and gave God. her the picture. Oh God. That, and no. so the reason why people found out was because she put the picture of herself in a toy box that she then took to her neighbor's house, like, the next day. And the neighbor's parents saw it and yeah. was like, uh... <laughs> that doesn't seem right, and then obviously, you know, they went to the police, mm-hmm. she was found, given back to, like, you know, her mother, and stuff like that, but I think, from what I remember, that's the only case the milk carton ever worked, and even then, it was a very strange yeah. reason. I mean, they had good intentions. Yeah. yeah, but I just, it's like, as, you know, the Amber Alert uh, was definitely a superior upgrade, with some mm-hmm. immediate kind of, uh, like, region updates, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I guess I feel like these three, especially since they were all in the same area and, like, so sudden, I feel like that kind of, like, how Johnny's parents kind of helped found this stuff, kind of helped started funding ways, like, Amber Alerts, to help Mm -hmm. prevent these things from happening. But, like, I feel bad because even though they're helping out families now who, like, maybe these have really helped them, their kids are still, it's still a cool case. Like, we still don't know what happened. Yeah. Well... Talking about extreme coincidences.
2: There was a few years after Johnny Gosh was kidnapped and he was still missing in 1990. There was a boy, a body found by a kid named John E. (gasps) Gosh in northern Mexico. And people thought that it was Johnny Gosh, like people would. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was actually a boy from Washington. And with the same name that was killed during a drug deal. You
1: know, I guarantee that that was one of the Mexican Mm -hmm. leads that the one guy talked about.
2: So the boy was adopted in Oklahoma by the Washington Gosh family. And if we remember, Noreen said there was people saying that Johnny Gosh, her son, was spotted in Oklahoma. And saying Mm. that, like, he ran up and was like, please, I'm Johnny Gosh," Like, to this woman, it was like, I'm the missing boy, um, I don't know this man, and then he was dragged away. And Johnny E. Gosh, that was found dead in northern M- Mexico, mm-hmm. was adopted in Oklahoma.
1: Oh. So,
2: uh, Noreen, for f- obvious reasons, she was convinced that this body was the son of her, uh, the body what, was her son. Yeah. But after um, dental records, they found out it was just an extreme coincidence and they found out that John E. Gosh was born two weeks after John, John E. Gosh. That's... Yeah. And that an is such a weird coincidence. coincidence. And
0: I feel so bad for Noreen because I'm sure in that moment yeah. she was like, this is it. It's done. Finally have closure. And yeah. then to just have it ripped away, away oh. from her.
2: So um, talking about the bland, uh, blue car, um, Noreen um, said she, uh she believed that... Johnny was, um, abducted into sex trafficking, mm-hmm. and there was this man, Paul, um, Bonacci, I'll talk about him more later, he said that he was kidnapped around the same time as Johnny Gosh, and that he was, like, raised in the sex room with him, and that, um, he was abused before he was kidnapped and stuff by a lot of authorities, and there is this man named Lawrence King, who, um had a Nebraska plate on a blue car. And a lot of people said that they saw on a blue car when Johnny was kidnapped that it had a Nebraska plate. But mm. the cops didn't really go into it because they said Bonacci was an uncredible witness. But I'll go into that more later. <laughs> so um, 15 years after Johnny was disappeared, uh, Noreen said that she woke up at 2.30 and um, by a knock at her apartment door. And waiting outside the door was Johnny Gosh. Um, she said that he was 27 and accompanied by an unidentified man. And she said that she immediately recognized her son, who opened his shirt to reveal a birthmark on his chest. What? Yeah. So um, she said that they talked for an hour or an hour and a half and um, said that the other man wasn't speaking, but Johnny would look at him for like, permission to speak, and, like, was super hesitant, Mm. and that, um, he told her that he was, um, in a pedophile sex ring, and that he was kicked out from being too old, and that he assumed a new identity, he moved states, and that he just came back to tell her goodbye, and, like, kind of give her closure. Um, so everybody does not believe Noreen, because, Mm -hmm. I mean... If he was in a pedophile sex ring and they, he got too old, they wouldn't kick him out. They'd kill him. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So um, nobody believes Noreen. And the cops said that if the visit did happen, then it was 98% possible that it was just somebody playing a cruel joke on Noreen. Because unfortunately, this does happen a lot. In cases Mm -hmm. where people are just like, this is going to be so funny.
1: I mean, especially considering this is a national case, so everybody knew about it. Yeah,
2: and, like, they knew about the birthmarks. The birthmarks were widely told as, like, a thing to, like, identify him. Yeah, so So they probably knew. Yeah, they knew what the birthmark looked like. They knew where it was, and they knew that that was going to make Noreen believe it was him.
1: Mm -hmm. Especially in such a vulnerable, like, spot that she's in. Like, so desperate for you know, information about where her son is, that she'll kind of believe anything. Yeah, yeah. she wanted
2: to grasp yeah. onto these false hopes. So um, the cops told her, mind, mind her business, it didn't happen, <sighs> basically. And um, people kept telling the cops that the cases between Mark, Eugene, and Johnny were way too similar. They were connected, and um, the cops were like, no. They weren't connected. <laughs> Just no. Like, no, we're not going to go into this. There's no leads. They weren't connected at all. And then um, a few years before Noreen said that Johnny appeared at her door, there was this lady that said, um, I forgot what state it was, but she said she had a dollar bill and she flipped it over, and on the dollar bill, it said, I am alive, Johnny Gosh. And she took it to the cops, and the cops were like, there's no way we can prove that this is actually written by Johnny yeah. yeah. So they took it to Noreen, and Noreen was like, oh my god, that's my son, that's his handwriting. And they were like, there's absolutely no way we can prove this. And Noreen said, that is my son.
1: Did they even... Because like my, my first thought... Okay, first off, his handwriting could yeah. have changed throughout yeah. all that time. But also, did they even try... like? Um, Cross referencing it with old like material that have written. No, I was (laughs) gonna say at least to humor her, like prove a point. Yeah, this was like
2: year, probably like ten years later. They were like,
1: I just feel like she would have something, and I feel like they could have easily just been like, these two are not the same. Yeah, or these two are kind of the same. And it it obviously still could have been a coincidence no matter what. Mm -hmm. But, like, at least would have been something. They did let
2: her keep the dollar bill, though, you guys. (laughs) They did not strip this last thing away from her, even if it definitely was not Johnny. Mm -hmm. But um, then going back into Paul Bonaccino, Bonaccini, or whatever, how you say his last name. (laughs) um, It was 1989. He was 21. And he told his attorney... Nobody said why he had an attorney. I looked it up. Nobody knows why he was talking to an attorney. But he was talking to his attorney, uh, John DeCamp, and said that he was abducted into a sex ring with uh, Gosh as a teenager, and he was forced to participate in the kidnapping of Gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah. So DeCamp believed Paul, Mm -hmm. because most lawyers believe. Probably. (laughs) So he believed that he was telling the truth, and Noreen said that she met with Paul and Paul was, like, telling all of these things that Noreen said that nobody would have known unless they were with Gosh, and said that he was, like, talking about um, this birthmark on his chest, which everybody knew about, Mm -hmm. but then he said that he had a scar on his tongue and a scar on the back of his leg from a burn, and she said that she didn't tell the cops about that at all. Like, nobody knew that. And then um, Paul said that Johnny had a stutter and a stammer when he got nervous. Like, the Mm -hmm. people said that he was talking about whenever, before he got, like, kidnapped, Paul said that when he was nervous, he would stutter. And Noreen said that nobody knew that, besides the people that were around, gosh. Mm -hmm. But the cops and the FBI were like, he's a criminal, he's not a credible witness, we're not even gonna listen to the time of day, we're not, like, gonna listen to what he says at all, because it's not gonna result in anything. So, um said he was said that he was abused by Lawrence King, a businessman in Nebraska, with a blue car. <gasps> How? Yeah. These all yeah. are so connected. But, the
0: fact that they didn't even look
2: into yeah. it? The cops were like, you're not a credible witness. There's literally no point in looking into Lawrence King. I have no reason to believe mm-hmm. why they would think this. Like, yeah,
1: like, I mean, in any, plenty of other cases that have to do with, like, um, criminal investigations, sometimes they'll take... Yeah. Legitimate criminals and they will give them some sort of deal where it's like if you work with us as like a witness and basically tell us like mm-hmm. where these people are, blah blah blah, we'll give you some sort of um like lesser sentence or like, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. And so that makes no sense yeah. because this is the same thing. You would yeah. just be taking him and to find out if any of his information is credible yeah. and then look into it as a lead. Doesn't matter if he's a criminal.
2: Yeah. There's no and evidence. Like, Paul to... wasn't even given like a gift or anything for giving them yeah. Yeah, he just any did.
0: information. He was like, this is what happened in my life. Well, I was with God If he was forced to participate in it. Yeah. It's possible that he, I mean, he, obviously if he was forced to, he didn't want to do it. So it might be kind of his last resort of like, a I didn't want to do this, but it happened. Here's yeah. what I
1: know. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So, um, in 1992, two years after Paul said this, um, America's most wanted interviewed Paul and in that interview, he stated that um, people abducted were branded and um, to show that they were part of the ring and that they were owned so that other rings wouldn't try to bring mm-hmm. them in, mm-hmm. so they were branded. And then um, another man came forward and said that he was abducted as a kid and showed his branding, and it was the same one that Paul had. It was the same thing that he was describing, and nothing. They didn't bring him in for questioning. They didn't do anything. They were just like, oh... He was branded out as well. Maybe Paul is telling the truth, but the cops didn't do anything about it. So um, Paul told America's Most Wanted that um, he was kept in a house in Colorado. And he even took the crew to the house in Colorado and showed them the like cages that they were kept in in like the cellar.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: like it was all there. Like, it was all still all there, there. And they didn't do anything. Nothing. It was like oh my gosh. they were recording it on the camera and everything. Like, and uh, the guy that were branded, the other dude, said that it was the same house that he was in. He said mm-hmm. there was a house in Colorado. We were kept in the cellar. Paul said there was a house in Colorado. We were kept in the cellar. I will take you to the house in Colorado mm-hmm. and show you where we were kept. Nothing came of it. Like.
0: My mind is, yeah, like, blown at like that. Yeah. Because yeah. if all of this is lining up, not perfectly, mm-hmm. but pretty damn well, yeah. and it is a cold case, we have nothing on it, no idea, why yeah. wouldn't they at least, like, try? Yeah, like,
2: tease him a little bit and be like, Just take yeah, a look. yeah, I'll look.
0: Because worst comes to worst, nothing. you find nothing, and you're back at square one where yeah. you were. Best case scenario, you've
2: solved. Case the solved. Case. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> like, it's been 40 years, and the cops are still like,
1: mm, I guess I don't believe Paul. I guess if we're going into conspiracy theory territory, some mm-hmm. people could look into the idea of like all the weird stuff with the police in the first that place. That they were paid off, and that yeah, there was like something with it, like whether or not someone in their like group was involved, or they're paid off, or whatever. Like maybe there's some sort of involvement, so they just kind of want to keep it quiet. Mm-hmm, maybe. Because I even in cases, you know, <laughs> like there's plenty of cases today where it doesn't matter what the crime is for some reason the police have this like this hardcore view of we gotta protect our people no Mm -hmm. matter what our people do and so they will try to keep things hush hush as soon as one of their people does something Yeah. so even if they aren't like necessarily all in on it they might be trying to, like, cover it up a little bit because they found out, like, someone was in on it or yeah, something. Yeah, a
2: lot of people believe that the cops were, like, a part of the sex ring because it took them 45 minutes to show up at their house after the initial call, and they were 10 blocks away yeah. from the house. Yeah, I was going
1: to say the, the weirdest part, too, is just the all the stuff you are saying, like, from what happened before. Yeah. Like, the two different police officers talking to them mm-hmm. and like, different times and, like, you know, things like that, and I mean... We can't necessarily prove that, you know, similar things didn't happen to the other, you know, boys, yeah. too. Like, you know, I think the only reason why uh, they, the parents even knew about that whole thing was because it was at a football game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But even then, like, I've seen some people
0: talking about, like, how John Gosh got that phone call in the morning. And yeah. some people were like, yeah. what if he was in on it? Because yeah. if you're supposed to go out with your kid and you know you're supposed to, like, walk with them and do that, and you wake up and it's like, oh, it's pretty early in the morning and my kid didn't wake me up, that's weird. Yeah. Like the fact that he was so calm that morning, some people have like tried looking weird. into that. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. again, it's hard to really kind of start anywhere because mm-hmm. so many little things happen and it's hard to connect anything yeah, I mean, into it.
1: Especially considering a lot of the stuff that, you know, is talked about with a lot of the you know, like the stuff you were talking about with mm-hmm. like fifteen years later, all that stuff. All of it has to do with Noreen. Mm-hmm. They don't ever mention what the
0: you no. know, dad's doing,
1: like ever. Like, yeah. it's exclusively what the mom has been doing and what she's seen, and mm-hmm. she's the one who's constantly still campaigning for it, mm-hmm. and, like, all that stuff. So, I mean, I'm not pointing any blame. Yeah. People look yeah. into things a lot, and it, there's a lot of coincidences. What i gonna point? You know, if, point if it was Josh. one
2: of the parents. Yeah.
1: You know, you know uh, correlation doesn't mean causation, yeah. but it is something to, like, look at when all these things keep on lining up, and I just... It's one of those things where it's like the police should have done something.
2: Yeah. And like when Noreen came out and said that Johnny came to her apartment, John was so quick to say, that did not happen. I do not believe you. Because they're divorced at this point. Mm -hmm. They divorced soon after his disappearance. And he was like, that did not happen. You are crazy. The cops were like, that didn't happen. Somebody Mm -hmm. was faking it. They were so quick to make Noreen come off as the insane mother. See,
1: my thing is it's, like, one thing for, like, the, um, like, dad of Johnny to, like, do it. Because, like, I I can almost see some people being, like, you know, maybe he's the type of person that when he deals with grief, Mm -hmm. he, like, hardcore sticks to this one thing. Like, we're never going to find out anything about it. All of a sudden, like, you know, basically it's just kind of, like, his worldview will be shattered if they find Mm -hmm. out, like, all this stuff is true, and so he, like, sticks to it because that's, like, the way he copes with his grief or whatever. Like, I can almost give him a pass for that kind of thing, especially considering he divorced his wife and they had a lot of issues, and Mm -hmm. maybe he, like, his view of her is tainted, and so now he thinks of her as the crazy mother, Yeah, but the police... That, like, they have no personal connection to Yeah. So
2: yeah. They're Perhaps, just doing this.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're just doing it to just be asses. I don't know. Yeah. And, I mean, I know we're all, like, team
0: Noreen. But also, to play devil's advocate a little bit, Noreen, like, wrote a book about this whole situation. Yeah, yeah. she, yeah, she did definitely did
2: play into it once mm-hmm. a few
0: years later, but... And, I... I mean, if 15 years go by and people start to forget about Johnny, saying that he showed up at her door... Hey... People started to pay attention again. People started yeah, to yeah. remember. And then she wrote the book. Mm-hmm.
1: So. I mean, I don't know her financial situation, but it wouldn't be the first time people exploit that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, for sure. It
0: sure, for, for sure didn't, like, hurt her financial situation. Yeah. Well, Part I just mean, mean like, I don't know what prior her. to, like, right. what caused her to make the book. Like,
1: it could just be it pure definitely financial
0: gain. gave yeah. her a pretty penny, at least. Yeah. Good for her for that.
2: But... Make that bank,
0: but also... Yeah. Maybe not.
2: Let... Give it a little more time before you start right. really talking about your missing son and making money off of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, especially if, like, if people were screwing with her mm-hmm. and kind of feeding into this, like, that's a whole other layer of, like, making I- her go insane. Yes. And then that's also creating the image of the insane mother trying to find her son. Yeah. yeah. That's being, like, portrayed by people. And it's, like, it's a self fulfilling cycle. Yeah. Like, it, I was
1: going to say with, like, Noreen, too, it's, like, you know, like you're saying, like the more people like if it is true that it, it's just like a bunch of people messing with her, like the I, the more people mess with her, the harder she's going to stick to her beliefs mm-hmm. because she's now feeling like she's ostracized by everyone. yeah, and she wants to double down, yeah, on what she believes or else she feels like everyone's right. and I'm insane, and she doesn't want to accept that. So mm-hmm. she doubles down on what she's believing. So who knows, maybe she's telling like the truth and all this is real and there's a whole cover-up with the police and the dad's in on it or whatever (laughs) Mm -hmm. or maybe people are just awful people people are messing with her and she's doubling down on her beliefs because she's a grieving mother who doesn't know what to do Mm you know it could be either it could be none it could be all you know Mm -hmm. both options suck yeah yeah. (laughs) it makes
2: me wonder though what her relationship with her other children are now though oh yeah because like whenever first was going into i didn't know that he had any siblings i thought it was her only child and that's mm-hmm. why she went so left field but knowing that she has two other children I just like what is the relationship between them yeah mm-hmm. like she, how her whole impact personality impact is yeah. Johnny now
1: yeah I'm kind of curious to so like do they side with either of the parents, or yeah. maybe they just kind of left e- both of them, they're like, we're not dealing with yeah, this. Yeah, I
2: don't even know what I would do with my parents if they just, no. like, started <laughs> acting like this. And, like, your mom writes a book on your missing brother and makes money. I think... Did they see any of the money, or the that He just, like... Yeah, I feel mm. like I would be angry at that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. To, like,
1: make money off my missing sibling. Yeah. I'd be like, you're disrespecting, like, him, mm-hmm. and, like the case in itself, like, by basically, um, you know, exaggerating things and making money off it to, you know, sell, like, nationwide, you know? I don't know.
2: Yeah. And, like, his brother was, what, like, 16, 17? Like, he was also still just a kid. Yeah. And he had to grow up the rest of his life.
1: With that fear? Yeah. Also, it would be terrifying, too, because, like, even though they're technically not, like, in the quote-unquote age range Mm -hmm. for a lot of these kids in the area disappearing... It'd be horrifying to hear not only your brother disappear, But then start realizing it's not an isolated incident. Mm -hmm. And that 15 miles away, there's another kid around the same age that disappeared two years later. And then there's another kid right next door that also disappeared Mm -hmm. two years after that. Mm -hmm. And especially with like Mark, his mom watched him go down the street
0: until that corner and he didn't make it to his friend's house, which means some point from when she was watching him and from when he was supposed to show up at his friend's house, he was gone. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine how horrible his mom must feel of like, why didn't I just go with him?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't I walk my son there? Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, like, the same thing with John not going on the paper route with Johnny. Mm-hmm. It was the one morning he never takes his father, Yeah. Mm-hmm. and he's gone.
1: Because, like, didn't he say, like, he told his son to, like, wake him up that morning? And it was uh, yeah. Johnny himself. That but that's only out. because
2: Noreen was like, you're too young. But yeah. John was like, he's fine. Yeah, Let him go on But it's, like, but it's on still, still paper like, route. if he told
1: his son, like, wake me up in the morning, too, it's, like, one of those things. If he is, like, you know, we're not going to conspiracy theory territory, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, also a grieving father. You know, there's got to be that, like, grief there and the fact that it's, like, if only I woke up on time and went with him, you know? Or maybe if I, you know, agreed with my wife at the time and, like, was more hardcore that I shouldn't Mm -hmm. have, like, trusted him by himself or, you know, certain things like that. But, like, you
2: also have to think... There's the biological clock. Like, if you wake up at a certain time every single morning and it's scheduled, why didn't he wake up?
1: Yeah, it's true.
2: Because, like, I know I, even on the weekends, I wake up at 7.45 because that's what I wake up on the weekend, like, in the week. So why didn't he wake up at 5.30 when he usually does? And, like, why is it all on his 12-year-old son to wake him up? right, like, he isn't a full-grown adult, then he should have been able to wake up on I mean, time. he could have just,
1: I mean, I don't know when Noreen gets up, but if she also mm-hmm. got up at a similar time, she could, he could also just ask her. Yeah,
2: <laughs> like, if he's that incapable of waking up by himself, don't ask your 12-year-old son to do it for you. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: or, like, like, set an alarm.
0: Yeah. It is not that, but uh, granted, also, at this time, like, a kid going out alone, like, through the neighborhood wasn't as big of a deal yeah. as it is now, which, like... Yeah, I
1: think it's because of cases like this that, you know, our parents got, like, really hyper-focused mm-hmm. on the stranger danger thing mm-hmm. and were yeah. way more protected. Especially
2: because our parents were alive and children, and children yeah. at this, this time. time. My
1: parents were probably...
2: Let's see. It
0: was 82. My mom was 11. My mom was probably, like, 8, so... Yeah. Like, so, like they're they're in this age range. Because yeah.
1: it was in 82, right? Mm-hmm. so yeah uh,
2: yeah my mom was 10 11 so like so our my, parents are the byproduct yeah my, my dad
1: was like six and then my mom was a little bit older than that
2: yeah our parents are the byproduct and like raised for the rest of their life with this paranoia right. and fear and yeah. then I remember like as a kid I would stay the night with my grandma and she would tell me like all these things before I go to sleep like if somebody comes at you with a gun Run zigzag if somebody barges into the house. Really? Run out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, oh my so God, like,
1: my parents are exa- like like that too, and like all yeah. my family. Like my mom, I vividly remember her. Basically, I don't know how old I was, but I was probably a little bit older. But she would tell me basically that if i got kidnapped in a similar situation to this i should fight for my life because yeah. i'm better off dead than going yeah. with them yeah that's what,
2: like they would say as soon as you're in the car you're dead and like i'm like 9 years old <laughs> yeah. like walking into a walmart being like this is the last time i'm going to be seen in public like mm-hmm. <laughs> and to, because of cases like this it definitely, it's like, insane. creates
0: a panic. Because I remember, yeah. like, when Stranger Danger came to our school every mm-hmm. year, being like, what do you mean, like, somebody wants to take me away? Yeah. Why would somebody want to do that? Yeah." But, granted, like, you know, it is important. I'm just, I'm more curious about, like,
1: statistically.
0: I was, mm-hmm. Also, I
1: was such a stupid kid. Like, I just want to point that out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the Stranger Danger thing didn't help at all. Mm-mm. Because, like, I remember vivid points. Like, my father was always with me, so it didn't, like, matter too much. But there were certain points in my life where I'm just, like, I would constantly be paranoid after the thing would happen. Like, it would be, like, there was, so, like, I've been in the newspaper twice as a kid for really stupid reasons. Oh. And the first one, I remember that one of the first times that I was in the newspaper for was actually, I don't even know why it happened. It honestly surprises me that to this day that it happened. (laughs) Basically, this guy was, like, I guess, really desperate for a news story. Like, just, it was, like, one of the local, like, city news, like, newspapers or whatever, and he just comes down the street. I'm in the yard playing with my neighbor and he comes down the street and basically just asks if he can take our picture and then put like basically make oh. a news article about us. And so then, Interesting. And so then we just do. We just let him take a picture, yeah. and then you know he does what he asks us some questions or whatever, and then just walks off. And then guess what? We're in the freaking newspaper. It was right. Like he was not lying, <laughs> but like he put the wrong address too. So he didn't even know what street he was on because oh. he put the complete wrong address. <laughs> That's kind of weird. But, like, yeah, it's that really reminds weird. me
2: of the pictures. <laughs> I completely forgot to talk about this. But Noreen one day opened her door and there was, like, envelopes, like, of three pictures of three boys tied up with gags in their mouth, like, in their underwear, in the, in a bedroom. Yeah. And um, two of them were identified to be these random boys that were just, like, doing it as a joke. But one of them, to this day, they do not know who it is. And uh, Noreen is convinced that it's Johnny. And, uh, like, so the two other boys that were um, identified, they said, oh, we just, like, did it as a funny little joke. Like, nobody was supposed to find these pictures. Like It was just a joke between us two. But the third boy, they do not know who it is. And uh, Noreen said it looked like Johnny. She felt like it was Johnny. But they did not identify him as Johnny. Mm -hmm. And, like, even, Mm -hmm. like... It was a picture of him in a bed, gagged, tied up with a rope, underwear, in, like, a very what? dimly lit room. Yeah, I don't,
1: I can't, uh, it's one of those things where, obviously, Noreen couldn't have done anything. Yeah. But if the police were able to, like, actually get involved and weren't being them, uh, what, you know, would have been interesting is to take that picture and cross-reference it with mm-hmm. the place that the one guy talked about that yeah. they found. yeah. But, you know, and kind of be like, does this match, like, the room area? Mm-hmm. And if it matched, then you could prove something. But if not, then you can maybe be like, it could still be, like, a joke with the yeah. other people. And it's, like, fake.
2: Because even the other boys were like, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Is but not that's a the thing.
0: Them. If it was a joke and they took those pictures all together, yeah. how do you not know who this boy is? Yeah. If they're all the same.
2: Yeah. Like, the other two boys were like, we did not take that picture. We do not know who that is. So, was it maybe... Maybe the two boys were, like, under pressure to say it was a joke instead. Maybe. But, like, even then, the cops were still, like, we can't prove that it is Johnny, but we can't prove that it's not Johnny. So it's Mm -hmm. out of our hands, basically. And, like, Noreen still is just, like, that picture was my son. Like, (sighs) she is convinced. And, like, I honestly am convinced as well that it is Johnny in the picture since the two other boys do not know who it is. And, like, they knew each other. And, like, they don't know, they and, didn't say who it was. And that kind of goes with the story of, like, the sex ring that, like, yeah. they were yeah. trapped in. Why uh, else would a random 12-year-old boy be gagged and take a picture oh. see, see, my
1: thing is, is I if it wasn't for all of that, like, mm-hmm. all the stuff where it, like, om- it fits too perfectly mm-hmm. for the, like, like sex ring part not to be at least somewhat true, yeah. I don't think I'd believe the picture is true. But it's because yeah. of all of that and the fact that they, like, talked about like almost that kind of treatment towards them and then you have this mysterious picture that she is mm-hmm. convinced looks like her son. Like well did the picture come first before the interview?
2: Um I, I th- not sure on the dates, but um it I think the interview was after the pictures. Okay. Yeah.
1: But it's just like if it wasn't for that evidence, I don't think I'd believe the picture is true. But I think with mm-hmm. that it's kind of it makes it, makes you kind of lean towards, like, maybe that is yeah, true. right, yeah. Because it fits too perfectly, especially considering, like, you know, we were saying, like, we're pretty sure the picture came before, mm-hmm. which means that, like, I don't think it was highly publicized at the time, was it? mm Yeah, so no one really knew about it, so that guy wouldn't have known about it, and so his yeah. story about the sex ring thing happened separately from the photo and after which means that he didn't make the story up because of it, and the photo didn't become a thing after the story came mm-hmm. out to the public. Yeah. You know? So, like, you can kind of connect those two things. Like, those, you know, once again, correlation doesn't mean causation. Yeah. Right. But there is a lot of things that started to line up. They're correlating. <laughs> They're correlating. They are. <laughs> and, I mean, it's been
0: 40 years. So, yeah. like, Noreen, I mean, I'm going to assume she's in her, like, 70s now. Yeah. Like They're not finding him. But if they didn't open up something with Paul, could they Mm -hmm. open that up now? Because I know it's been, been, again, like 40-something years. Yeah,
2: the Paul thing was 15 years after his disappearance. So it's been been quite a while since the initial interview
0: with Paul. But I don't think... And I mean, I'm sure at this point, any evidence that could have been... They're going to write it off. Yeah. Yeah it's not, they're not going like, to solve Like, even it. if,
1: like, because, we, you know, there was the whole point, I did not mean to slam my hand <laughs> down, that hurt, Um but, like, you know, even, you know, even if, like, you know, for example, because they talked about, like, he, like, let's say the Johnny did show up in the house at one time and talk mm-hmm. to his mom, let's say eventually he got to the point where he felt safe enough that he was able to, you know, come out and say, you know, I'm Johnny Gosh, blah, blah, and somehow prove it, mm-hmm. like, I think, even then, I think people would be suspicious because yeah. so it's so long of a time yeah. that it's so hard to prove that someone's. Mm-hmm. In I mean, prison. he'd be fifty something. Yeah, now. the yeah. only
2: way people would have believed if it was Johnny Gosh if it was a few days after his disappearance and he was like, "Sorry, you guys." I feel like even yeah, after a couple years. 12, yeah.
0: Like even if he was still a young boy, I think like, maybe people would have not in him. his fifties. People would believe Mama, that Johnny people, guys. regardless I'm, sure they, when I'm, 50, I'm look so different yeah, than I did when I was no a kid. Like, There's way. no way especially to really like considering
1: tell. those like um, you know those like sketch sketches of yeah. like what would this person look like fifty years later? You know, for mm-hmm. the court cases. I don't know. There's they're so uncanny valley. Yeah, like they never not. look right. No. They look like a baby face with like. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's like the child haircut and mm-hmm. baby face with like wrinkles, and it looks yeah. so wrong. I don't yeah. know if
0: you've seen the one of Johnny, but it, it looks like every other white man. I could walk past Johnny Gosh and not bat an
2: eye. Johnny yeah. Gosh could be my professor, and I would have no <laughs> that it's Johnny Gosh. And I know in my heart they are not ever finding him. And, yeah. and that's like
0: it's a really unfortunate thing.
2: Ninety-eight percent sure he's dead. Most likely. There's, like, a very, very rare chance that him, Eugene, and Mark are still alive.
1: Yeah, I'm honestly surprised, though, with all of the um, stuff with uh, Johnny, that there hasn't been a single, like, thing in the media, Mm -hmm. like, afterwards for Eugene and Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Mark kind of makes sense because his case was never in the public eye in the first place, but nothing for Eugene is kind of weird. Yeah. Like, there's just so much, like, weird coincidence, like, stuff going on with Johnny that there's absolutely nothing for Eugene mm-hmm. it's just I don't know it's kind of weird that they haven't even if like not even like fake stuff from what I could tell like became like public or yeah mm-hmm. no theories about it or anything else like that it was just that other kid
0: yeah and I mean even if like there's no way that we could solve any of these I do feel like like what we're doing it's important to talk about this stuff because mm-hmm. I I feel like if they just disappeared with no kind of not legacy but way to kind of stay alive Purpose. yeah. It's like, what was it, what was it all for? If the police couldn't help mm-hmm. find them and do anything, at least we can kind of take this as a moment yeah. and apply it. I mean, again, like, their parents did so much to kind of help future children. Yeah, the, children the that bill, go yeah, the bill so, and everything
1: else.
0: I think overall, even though it has benefited stuff and it's important that we talk about it, it's still just, like, frustrating that it's a, they're all cold cases. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff with this. It's it's a hefty one. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. It's, it's hefty. It's definitely
0: a lot.
2: Um but with that we will go ahead and wrap up. Um I am Beth Farmer. I'm Olivia Blake. I'm Allie Jackson. All right, thank you so much. <laughs>